The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Michael Kist. Are you caught me not listening again? Benjamin Solak. You never listen. It's the Kist and Solak Show. Presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. Look, I don't care if this is a loss. You are flying high on the Kist and Solak show. It's episode 200. Brought to you by the five folk at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. Follow me on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. That's K-I-S-T. As always... Joined by the best doggone co-host in the game, Mr. Tenure Streak Without a Bad Day. He is Benjamin Solak. Follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K, Ben. Eagles lose 29-38 to to the Steelers. Tough game. Pleasant surprise from the offense. Defense was totally lost. But, like, overall, I'm not I'm not really angry about this one. I'm not, I'm not upset. I, right. I, I'm, I actually like the fight that I saw from mm-hmm. the Eagles, especially on the offensive side of the ball. That was encouraging. But we're going to get into it. How you doing, brother? Yeah, I think depending on what you wanted from Philadelphia... Depends on how you consumed that game, right? If you wanted a win, I should say perhaps what you expected from Philadelphia. If you expected a win, then there's room for frustration. Eagles had an opportunity to go ahead with with the field goal, an opportunity to go for it on fourth down, kind of that decision and what it meant. Uh, They could have gotten a third and eight stop, a critical third and eight stop to get the ball back and still be down a touchdown. None of those things happened. That must be frustrating. Yeah. If you're like me and Mike, (laughs) who... Mostly want Carson Wentz to not be a broken toy in the chest anymore. Yeah, it's a win. This is his best game of the year, comfortably. Man, he looks confident. Yeah. I, I hesitate to say, this is what we were talking about three weeks ago, because it's not that neat. I mean, they're about to play the Ravens. Uh, yeah. The offensive line did a tremendous job against the Steelers. I never would have expected it. I'm not sure I'm going to expect it against the Ravens, who caused similar problems to that which the Steelers have caused over this young season. Uh, so there's there's it. we're nowhere near ready to say, uh, this is the Wentz we expected, and this is who Wentz is, because we're five games in, and it's still a kind of a mess. But when we talked about Wentz's accuracy issues in the immediate wake of the Washington game and the Rams game and even the Bengals game, mm-hmm. we talked about a lack of confidence, yeah, the mess that was around him, and the fact that quarterbacks just don't suddenly become less accurate. And with the emergence of one unlikely hero in the emergence of one... <laughs> <laughs> Frodo Baggins, freaking Travis Fulgham wide receiver. Yeah. Wentz was ripping the thing to him yeah. in relatively tight man coverage with quality placement on outbreakers, on inbreakers, on vertical routes. Yeah. Hit him in the end zone. He was wide open for that one. But like 
third down. I mean, Wentz looked confident. Wentz was aggressive. He was holding the football in the pocket, but he knew where he was getting the ball. So it was the the pocket plays where he like, you know, just needed that extra half second. It wasn't total panic plays. He looked very much more recognizable to what Eagles fans have come to expect of him. I agree. And this is to say that this game against the Steelers and even last week's game against the Niners is what when we were saying during three weeks, let's not panic, let's not freak out, let's not go nuts. This is what we were expecting. Mm-hmm. Was that the ship was going to get righted by virtue of the fact that everything was going wrong early and eventually something was going to break positively. And whether that's, and, and, and much like the issues talking about them two weeks ago, whether yes. that was when's getting better, Fulgham emerging, the offensive line putting out a great performance against the Steelers, some amalgam of the three, some chicken and egg vicious circle. You, you know, Yggdrasil the serpent. You can't find the head. You can't find no Yorgmund or whatever the name of the Norse serpent is. <laughs> Yggdrasil's the tree. Right, right. There was a. There's. It's tough to identify a beginning and an end. It's tough to find a cause and effect. But offense clearly is catching up to itself a little bit here. Stuff to iron out. Absolutely. Ninety-eight percent of Miles Sanders' yards came on one run. Bad. Right. So uh, you know the 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 continued dedication to first and 10 under center three tight ends with jason croom or whatever the heck it is in there <laughs> also right bad. J- J- jason green whatever the name croom. of the new third tight end croom. Is. yeah you got it is it croom bad yeah. zach Ertz, bad 15 so, yeah. yards in the last two games for Ertz. Yeah. yeah bad so so there's still a lot that's not great but this is what we were expecting when the hand hovered over the panic bucket in three weeks in the offensive coaching staff could not figure out what to do the that Wentz was getting no support and Wentz was playing poorly that eventually this was going to get resurrected a little bit and the hope is that they could tether that momentum and and ride it into not only a more consistent rest of the season but maybe into some wins they got the win against San Francisco and then here against the Steelers 57 yard kick from Jake Elliott to to potentially go ahead you know fourth and five go for it whatever that is like there's there were uh, there were opportunities to win this game against a team that on paper, is much better than them coming in. That's tremendous news for the offensive side of the ball. I agree. And, and if you're a QB wins guy and you want to point to this game, I'm not interested in that discussion whatsoever because I don't think it's cons- I don't think it's useful or applicable here whatsoever. So I, I agree with you to your points that this is kind of the wins that we wanted to see, and, and the supporting cast around him wasn't the greatest. But like, do the Eagles have something? And, and this is a ridiculous stat, right? This is a this is a thirsty stat, a thirsty tweet that I put out there, but. In their first two starts, Randy Moss, 10 catches, mm-hmm. 184 mm-hmm. yards, mm-hmm. two touchdowns. Travis Fulgham, Hit me with it. 11 catches, 209 Better. yards, Better. two touchdowns. The same. Better, th- better than Randy <laughs> Moss. <laughs> uh, BLG made this point in, in our Slack. I'm not, I, I think he tweeted out something to the extent of it, and it's a really interesting thing to talk about. Fulgham is winning exactly how you wanted. A player like J.J. Ortega-Whiteside to win Yes, when you drafted J.J. Ortega-Whiteside in the second round. That's what that looks like. That's what we thought that would look like. (laughs) Firstly, there was no ball that Fulgham couldn't catch. Right. And that is such a relief to a quarterback like Carson Wentz, who who, uh, tends high, right? Mm. He, He skews high on his throws. One. Two, has to throw... Like against you know like tight man cover because he doesn't have any like there's no wide open routes because right. there's no speed on the receivers and the, the the offensive designs aren't getting them so his best option is to throw a guy with one on one against leverage and he wants to put a ton of mustard on that thing because he doesn't want to keep throwing picks so he's throwing the ball with a ton of velocity so you have Fulgham who just could not drop a ball if he tried today yeah that's exactly that's what Artega Whiteside was supposed to be Artega Whiteside was a good route runner coming out of Stanford who had the requisite footwork strength understanding of leverage and route acumen 
to regularly uncover against man cover, not necessarily separating, not necessarily breaking a dude's ankles. He wasn't going to chase windows. Claypool Jalen Mills, as it were, but he was going to give you throwing windows, and he was going to win in those throwing windows because he had strong hands through contact, and he was able to win with leverage. That's how Zach Ertz has been so good for Carson Wentz for many years. When yes. the Eagles added... J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, they were trying to add a player who wins in similar ways to Ertz. So obviously a slightly different body type against different players on different route distributions. But that leverage, that strength, that smart route running. Ortega-Whiteside has never earned Wentz's trust and has been horrible throughout his entire career. Travis Fulgham, in that he was not Ortega-Whiteside, in that he was not John Hightower, in that he was literally anybody else, yes, had one good vertical catch against the Niners. I remember when when Deontay Burnett had his deep catch against the uh, against the Giants last yeah. year. We were all like, Deontay Burnett's going to be really big for the Eagles, and then he really wasn't. Fulgham, you know, checked some bot for Wentz. Wentz put a ball on him. Fulgham caught it, and that that was for Wentz. I was like, all right, this is what I got right now, <laughs> and he was willing. So every third down, looking for Fulgham, red zone, they're looking for Fulgham, and Fulgham continued to deliver, just catching accurate balls. Just catching accurate balls was the bar to clear. Crazy and it was idea. a 10-catch, 150-yard <laughs> clear by the end of the day because that was all the Eagles had at wide receiver. So it, it's this mold of receiver unsurprisingly appealed to Carson Wentz. Hmm. And that was that which the Eagles front office was chasing when they <laughs> drafted J.J. Thicke Whiteside. That failed tremendously, which brings (laughs) you to the final point, which is if a player like Fulgham can do this with this quarterback in this offense, it is reprehensible that snaps were given to receivers who were demonstrably not able to do this. Yeah. Right? Like, obviously, you can only cycle in so many guys. Obviously, you only bring so many dudes into camp. But when Ortega Whiteside's been struggling for the first five weeks of the season, it takes you to week four to get Fulgham in here. It takes you week five to discover Wentz is willing to throw the football to Fulgham. Fulgham is, is you know, for everything that he just did, a rather unspectacular wide receiver prospect. He's yeah. not a guy you want receiving 14 targets on the day, right? But it, if he gets those 14 targets, this is what he churns out. The fact that it took the Eagles this long to try the break glass in emergency, anything else but the other guys, <laughs> Travis Fulgham, you know, like Red Button, is it is a condemnation on either the coaching staff or the front office, whoever it is that's really trying to stay pot committed on Ortega Whiteside. If Ortega Whiteside outsnaps Travis Fulgham in a single game for the rest of the year, it's malpractice and malfeasance. Yep, because you finally, you, 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 Wentz has proven to you that if a guy is just functional, <laughs> not only will he be productive, Wentz will bird dog him. Wentz will feed him. Like yep. Wentz is so desperate. He won't throw it to anybody else. So there's no reason now. For Fulgham to not be a, a considerable part of the offense when Rager comes back and when Deshaun comes back and when Alshon comes back. Because what Fulgham just did has not been done for six years since yeah. when started. He has had a wide receiver play like this. So the, you, this is what you have now. You have to operate. This is it. We have Fulgham. He played well. He's going to be foundational moving forward. Not only that, you have a wide receiver that can do things when Zach Ertz is getting a lot of attention. Or, I mean, you have a wide receiver when Carson Wentz stops bird-dogging Zach Ertz in this situation. So, I mean, just just a, a fantastic performance from Fogum. I'm really fascinated to see how that holds up for him for the rest of the season, if there is really something there, because that would just be fantastic and, and, and be an answer to a question mark that they've had at wide receiver as they start to try to get guys back. And I, I guess we'll kind of we'll kind of roll through the flow 
uh, this game, and we'll hit different points as we go along. And we'll start with, uh, you know, the scoring plays or whatever. Uh, end of the first quarter is when the scoring started. The Steelers went up 7 nothing. It was Chase Claypool, which, by the way, Chase Claypool, a fun stat, four touchdowns on the day. He is the first rookie wide receiver to to have four touchdowns in a game since Buffalo's Jerry Butler in 1979. So Jim Schwartz, his reputation for giving up career games to young wide receivers is absolutely intact after this one. But he got it on the, uh, what was it, the, was it the jet sweep in this one or, or whatever it was? But Gary gets washed out by Ebron. Yeah. McLeod is late. Motion was giving them issues all day. This drive was a long one. 14 plays, only 49 yards. Seven minutes come off the clock. The longest drive on the season for the Steelers that was extended by a bad PI call on Darius Slay. The rest were terrible. This game's on on, on both sides. Uh, Also, a personal foul on Malik Jackson as well, which I I didn't see any of the replays of these personal fouls that happened. The the one that happened to Fletcher Cox later, I didn't see either. But that gives them up 7-0. And then the Miles Sanders draw. I'm wondering what you think about this call. Third and nine. And they've done this in weird situations before, like third and five, third and six. And it's worked before. People hate it when it doesn't work, but it has worked for them. Uh, And if they don't hit this draw on third and nine, you would be able to hear the collective groan from the Philly faithful from where we are. But they catch the Steelers in a blitz with a stunt to the field side, which is where Sanders ends up cutting it. Mike Hilton missed a tackle in the open field. Uh, J. Jaw had a great block to help spring well, it. He was I, I, 50 I, yards down the, the field. People, blocking wide receiver, baby. That's why we got him in here. <laughs> and Greg Ward, too. He was 45 yards down the field. J.J. Ward, second wide side, basically is exactly like Robert Woods. If you took all of his skills as a wide receiver besides blocking, brought them all the way down to zero. That's my comp. Robert 70, Woods without any ability on passing downs. That's amazing. 74 yards to the house for Sanders. Uh, the longest run allowed by the Steelers since 2007. Uh, second, So it's 7-7. Seven to seven. And then it goes to 14-7 Steelers when Jalen Mills gets put in a spin cycle off a single move release from Chase Claypool, uh, who comes streaking over the middle. Marcus Epps just takes a bad angle on this one. It's 32 yards to the house. Uh, Eagles answer on the next drive, second quarter, about midway through. One-yard touchdown for Miles Sanders on a 10-play, 61-yard drive. Great job by Carson Wentz on this drive. He worked well from empty all day, threw an accurate ball, uh, pulled the Houdini trick out of his hat when he avoided the sack from Bud Dupree. That was a great moment for him. Uh, I thought the roughing, the passer on Vince Williams was a little soft, but you won't hear me complain again. The rest were bad for for both sides. Solid drive overall. And then we start to get to, you know, the the end of the half here. And it could have been worse. Like the, the call on Dotson that brought back the, uh, the goal-to-go situation, I thought that was bad. I thought he was at the line of scrimmage when it was thrown. But again, not complaining on their behalf. The refs, again, were a mess. Uh, that's a theme throughout this game. And uh, we can talk about the last drive of the half for the Eagles. Big-time conversion on third and 17 that keeps the offense on the field. That was to Fulgham. He settles nicely in the zone on the sideline. Then the -the over-the-shoulder throw to J-Jaw. But time runs out on the guy because even when he does something really well, and that was a beautiful catch, the universe feels the need to smack him in the face. Clock runs out, 17-14 Steelers at half. But they're in the game, and it's a really interesting Mm -hmm. one, Ben. Yeah, that... that Two-minute drive time management was suboptimal. A second and... Uh, no, I believe it was a The first run on and, third and one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. So the run on third and one was really bad. They had one timeout, and they clearly were like, man, we got we, we caught the, the Steelers in a sneaky run situation earlier. We're going to do it again, and it's going to work again. And it did not. And that's just... The, the, the juice ain't worth the squeeze. If you get a 12-yard mm. pickup on the run, cool. There's still a good chance you're going to use your timeout. Even if you don't, okay. A 12-yard pass does the exact same thing here. 
Also, if you don't get it, you're probably going for it on fourth down at that down and distance. The third and one run came at the Philly 47 with 30 seconds left. Right. You're probably going to go for it on fourth and one if it's an incomplete pass. So just throw it, continue to stop the clock. The other big issue was right before on on first and 10, John Hightower caught an eight-yard stop route and cut infield. Rookie. You got to get out of bounds. Yards don't matter. Time matters. There's no difference between eight yards and nine yards. There's no difference between second and two and first and 10 on a two-minute drive. It's clock stop or clock start. That's what we're looking at. So John Hightower fails to get out of bounds, costing the second time out. The third and one run, which to me is we don't trust our quarterback, which given the way Wentz played, especially in the second half, is really bad. Oh, so we don't trust our quarterback. Third and one run. Use the third timeout. And then you get that beautiful throwing catch to Artega Whiteside. Ball's down on, on the 12. If you have one timeout, you have two shots to the end zone before you even take the field goal. That ball, that clock had like eight, nine seconds on it. You have at least one shot, maybe two. Really, really bad clock yep. management there. Also, that, that coaching staff process, that, that coach decision-making process to me was tough. Obviously, they don't really choose what Hightower does, but it's a mistake by Hightower. And then it is a, a mistake on the run called a Sanders, in my opinion. Of course, lest we forget about the uh, the deep pass there to John Hightower also during that drive, which, which man... What was he looking you at? You remember that Nelson Aguilar drop against the Patriots, <laughs> right? Yes. Where Wentz fit the ball in a window this big against the back line. Oh, brother. Firstly, <laughs> if you're going to stay over the shoulder on it, catch it. Right. Start with that. But secondly, if you just turn, not only is the catch 100 times easier, you're going to get DPI. That's yeah. how the world works. If yep. your chest is facing the ball and a defender's back is facing the ball and there's contact, they call DPI 100 times. Ball's at the two and a half or the one, however it works. Yeah. I don't know how it works. And with the ticky-tack offensive pass right. interference, defensive pass interference, they were getting in right. this game? Exactly. Absolutely. The referees made absolutely no sense this entire game, which <laughs> added to the chaos of my enjoying it. Um, yeah. But critical mistakes by the rookie, uh, Hightower. And that's that's where you are when you have to start a fifth-round rookie because of injury and right. because of the way that you've managed the wide receiver to this point. Uh, so they left at least three, if not seven points on the board on that drive. The other coaching decision procedures that uh, I wasn't a big fan of, mm, it's tricky. I don't know what would have been my move at that fourth and five to attempt okay. that field goal. So um, I've got numbers from Edge Sports. My oh, buddy love that, numbers from Edge Sports. <laughs> my buddy there just uh, sent me this. Uh, their their tweet is uh, Peterson with an interesting decision to attempt a fifty seven. Oh, field whenever goal Edge Sports says interesting, that's not good. Uh huh. The decision to go for it would have increased the Eagles' pre-snap win probability by over six percent. If they make the field goal, Pittsburgh still has three plus minutes and only needs a field goal. So, right. I, I I agree with them. I thought they should have gone for right. it. That's a long game. Now they were saying before the game, and Jimmy Kemsky tweeted this, this out that Elliott was smashing from long range before the game, and this had the leg to make it just wide. Like I get it. I still would have gone for it there. Yeah. What's 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 tricky is this, and again, like it's like they they run on third and one on that drive. On third and five, they go for the isolation slant to Travis Fulgham, a great decision, which is a thing I never thought I would say. <laughs> Fulgham, by the way, thinks he's Stephon Diggs and is running like a little like two step rocker step release, which is the best thing in the world. That was because, a heat check, exactly. That's why I was like, this is a heat check route. Fulgham's like, listen, I cannot lose anything, so I'm going to embarrass and clip on Joe Hayden, which, yeah. no, you're not. But it's I, like when you're playing Warzone, you're like, I'm going to hit this 360 snipe. Yeah, right, exactly. He was feeling himself. I was feeling him. 
It's all right. Just, yeah, go, go try to make it. your play, young blood. <laughs> you, you got nothing to lose. No one, no one's gonna blame you for when they lose this game. <laughs> right? You're fine. You live your dreams. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how much longer I'm gonna be the feature part of this offense. <laughs> I'm gonna get my gets in. You know. So tries to do that. Doesn't hit it. At the thirty-nine, you have the opportunity to like, like, like. This is what it was. This is like. It, it's about defining Jake Elliott's range again. If if they're like comfortable with Elliott hit going for the fifty seven yarder, then I get passing the football. If they're on the fringe, then you can look to run the football. And if you get it to fourth and one, you go for it. If you get it to fourth and two, you kick it, and it's three yards, and that helps or whatever. It's the fact that against the Bengals, sixty four yards with basically no consequence, we're not going to kick this fifty seven yards with massive consequence on a fourth and pretty gettable. Yeah, and like no, we got to kick this. What is Elliott's range? What is your degree of confidence in him? What's right. what's the decision making process here? What's the plan? Because like like Edge Sports consider that a six percent negative, like minus six percent win probability to just choose to kick it. Peterson, it used to be that like Peterson never made a decision that Edge Sports was not in on. Right, and now it's like a, it's, a, it's a toss up. Like we're not really yeah. sure. So what has changed in the decision making process? Uh, sometimes with fourth down stuff, whatever you know, yada yada yada. But also with the kicking game, and by extension of the kicking game, this goes back to the uh, the the plays they lost yardage on in fringe field goal territory against San Francisco. The Eagles' offense, like at like the thirty nine, just doesn't really know what to do. If you have like a good defined range for Elliott and a decision making process, you can say, all right, when we're at the thirty nine, our current priority is to get to the thirty six, and then once we Correct. get past the thirty six, we'll start looking at the end zone. But right Correct. now, we're gonna make sure we have this field goal in our pocket. The Eagles never seem to want the field goal in their pocket. Once they get inside the forty, they're like, all right, we're either losing ten yards or picking up thirty. Like that's the only <laughs> thing we're gonna do. Um, so I just that there's something in the Doug Peterson analytic boy in the booth, Dave Fip, Jake Elliott chain. That to me is just not working this year, yeah. and obviously all uh, all these complaints fall a little bit quiet if Elliot hits that one. It was very close. It clearly had the distance. It snuck off the off the post. Fifty seven yard kicks a hard kick, especially in Heinz Field. But mm-hmm. again, like he hits that. All right, the Eagles defense without Darius Slay has got to stop the Steelers passing attack from scoring right. points. It's not a a, a likely you trust win your defense? anyway. Yeah. Do yeah, you want to talk about? Do we want to talk about this defense? We're, we'll, we'll we'll get to the defense in a second. Actually, let's do it right now. Let's go backwards to to catch up to what we were just talking about. So we come out of the second half. Uh, Steelers six play seventy five yard touchdown drive looked way too easy. Uh, the Steelers got creative in this one. By the way, you can't tell me that Matt Canada isn't the actual offensive coordinator for the Steelers because this looked like like his right. fingerprints. How were funny! All over how this. funny is it that like. We were like, oh, no, Schwartz, Shanahan offense, ton of motion. They're going to have no idea what's going on. Play action everywhere. And they were great. And then we were like, yo, Steelers, they don't run play action. They're kind of throwing in motion this year. They should be fine. And then the Steelers were like, haha, we can open up any passing lane we want. It's exactly what I thought the Niners were going to do. Why do some teams, Jim Schwartz, is just dialed in? And then it's the Steelers' anemic freaking passing attack. And he's like, oh, man, they have a rookie who's 6'4". I had no idea. Let's not adjust throughout the entire game. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I cut you off, but it's crazy. Go ahead. Yeah, dur- during that drive, I mean, this is part of the problem, too. The Eagles dealing with motion. They got outflanked on the end around the 58-yarder to Ray, May- Ray, Ray McLeod. Uh, and then at the goal line, the- they put like four out wide. Just an easy, super easy touchdown for Chase Claypool from five yards out. Both Nate Gary, who Nate Gary spins off and disengages his block to the wrong side. Yep. Uh, Alex Singleton 
isn't there to make the play. They get blocked up, which... Yeah, rip Ally Singleton hype 2019 or 2020-2020. 100%. Hate to see it. It's all right. Moving on. <laughs> I mean, if the Eagles just get dominated by non-offensive linemen out in space, and it shouldn't be surprising to anybody. 24-14 Steelers at that point, right? Next possession, and Ben, this is the one I really want to talk about. I, and I know this one is going to, get, going to get talked about a lot, but Ertz gets shoved by Vince Williams past five yards as he's trying to angle in. Mm-hmm. The timing dictates the throw to a spot. Ertz, because of the contact, is not at that spot at that time. It is intercepted. It's pretty simple. And I don't think I'm being a a Wentz apologist at all here because I do think it's that simple, right? Right. And it's very funny because it's like, oh, no, Wentz threw a pick. Like the receiver, just like, like there's times where like Wentz throws a pick and, you know, we're like, oh, well, the receivers like, like the, the Rager and Hightower picks against week one in Washington. We're like, oh, well, this route can change like this and they should contest like this. And that's like muddied. This one's like as clear as day. Like Ertz turns and gets hit and just stops yeah. moving. And then the ball is where he would have kept moving to. It's like, right. man, Carson Wentz just missing Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz got clipped and Zach Ertz should... One, be more cognizant of the fact that he might get clipped by a linebacker working to the flat. Or two, be stronger, right? Be better working through it. And, like, he kind of, like, gets clipped and, like, stops and turns around and doesn't really react. So, again, there's, like, a not-on-the-same-pageness with Ertz and with Wentz. They clearly just cannot get Ertz open on what they usually get him open with, whether that's defense is really giving him extra attention, whether that's Wentz's struggles, whatever that is. The Wentz-Ertz connection has not been as productive this year as it's been in years past. But this one is, like, this is an easy one. Yeah. The receiver, it's like if a receiver fell down. He, he got hit. He didn't fall down, but he he's, he can't move anymore. He's impacted. His force velocity, like, he can't go. Uh, so I don't put that one on Wentz at all. Wentz had two picks in the day. One on a fourth and 20 yeet to John Hightower yeah. and double coverage. The other is the Zacharis one. I don't have big issues with that. Why the refs didn't call it. I mean, it happened very quickly. And yeah. the refs seem to be just bum-fuzzled by everything that happened really quickly, right? Like, the Chase Claypool should have been fourth touchdown, where Craig James fell over, and they were like, that looks suspicious. Like, Claypool didn't even yeah. put a hand on him. Craig James <laughs> was just broken the whole down. The uh, That Zach Ertz one. The called interception, where Nate Gary picked oh up God. the incomplete pass so Which fast. Which was not a fumble either. Yeah, um, it was a, yeah. that was an amazing, like, how? At World, like, interception? Everybody was like, are you kidding? Uh, so, right. yeah, just 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 dreadful um referees were confused the whole game i mean i mean what, what encouraged me about that was like okay that's a bad play that put the eagles down in a, in a in a big spot they were they were down two scores and then and then you see Wentz take the sack and he almost fumbles it up trying to like pitch it to like cory clement oh or whatever yeah, the heck yeah that pitch to. Like, miles sanders nearly had me yeah and i'm like oh man here goes Wentz, you know starting to fall apart a little bit and then he and then he bounces right back with a 31 yard yeet on third and twelve to Travis Fulgham, who else? Beautiful throw. Uh, the drive ends with a floater to Greg Ward on a, a, a eight yard touchdown, plus the two point conversion to a wide op- wide open uh, John Hightower. We still got a game in mid third. It's thirty one twenty two Steelers nine points. I like the decision to go for two for there, right? Yeah. So okay, if you want to elaborate on that, go ahead. No, I was a big fan can... of that decision. The Eagles yeah. go for two process is still clean, clean as whistle. Yeah. And then you get the uh, the four yard touchdown with Fulgham. There's 11:30 left in the fourth. This this was not supposed to be this game, and this is not how this game was supposed to go. I talked about the Chase uh, Claypool, or you did, uh, got wiped out for offensive pi. Uh, to me, that was the worst play play call of the game. We talked about the the Jake Elliott missed field goal that followed up after that. What really broke the Eagles back? Mm-hmm. Nate Gary Mm-hmm. is tasked, and I understand he was probably supposed to get more help from Rodney McLeod. Nate Gary 
is tasked with covering a wide receiver that already has three touchdowns on the day. That is balling out against the guys like even Darius Slay had issues covering him, right? He would have had that, Claypool would have had that toe tapper on the sideline if his second foot doesn't land on top of Slay's foot. Balling out all game. Make sure you get Nate Gary on the guy. Gary, awful play on it. Can't stay with him whatsoever. He just, he stumbles what was Jim Schwartz doing right. this game? And look and, and, and look at what the, the Steelers just, just overall on third down. Roethlisberger was 13 for 13, 158 yards, two touchdowns on third down. On third down. Oh, they, they had no trouble throwing the football. The only <laughs> bad drives they had were drives they tried to like run it on second and 10. Like on the on the, the fumble, the Eric Ebron fumble, which the Eagles recovered and then had the missed field goal on the subsequent drive, they ran it on second and 22. Best thing they ever did. It was amazing. Because now you know third and 21, you get to sit back, rally, and tackle. Right, so third and eight, Steelers go five wide. Eagles went empty all game to get nice, easy reads for Wentz on the Steelers blitz packages. Something I'd expect them to continue to do against the Ravens. Worked really well. Wentz has been great and empty this year. Steelers were like, we can do this too. Five mm-hmm. wide. Eagles got four down, and they have their coverage shell. They got two deep safeties uh, pre-snap, and they got five across underneath. And the third receiver, the number three to the three-receiver side is Chase Claypool. He's had three touchdowns today. He's been playing pretty well. Nate Gary is on the field. I'm 99% sure it's difficult to see the guys far away, but I'm 99% sure the Steelers have got four receivers and a tight end. There's mm-hmm. no running back. But Nate Gary's on the field because he's got to get them lined up. Mike. He's Are so you sure they you sure they didn't have seven receivers and two tight ends to right, get yeah. that matchup? <laughs> he's, he's, he's so good at getting them lined up. So Nate Gary's got to be out on the field so he can get them lined up. So he gets them lined up. But that means he's flexed over number three, which is Chase Claypool. I can promise you Ben Roethlisberger is is in shotgun, staring straight forward to the center, just thinking to himself, don't look, don't look, don't look. You know he's there. You know it's fine. Don't look. Kevin Fickner's on the sideline. Matt Cannon's yeah. on the sideline going, they're going to call timeout, right? I mean, like, they don't. They, they need to keep their timeouts, but there's they, no way. They know this they're gonna is let. Bad. Yeah, this, they, they got to do something. Ball snapped. Nobody has moved. Uh, Steelers are running Gary. <laughs> yeah, right. Steelers are running uh, smash divide, which is a, a really good look. So you're going to get to the two receiver side. You know, you're going to get a little stop route, and then you're going to get the corner route behind it. To the three receiver side, the two outside receivers are going to do the same thing: a little stop route, and then a corner route behind it. And what's nice about that is that it draws the attention of your two deep safeties. Now the Eagles, it's interesting. The two receiver side, those three cover defenders don't act the same way on smash as the other cover defenders on the three receiver side react to smash which right. leads me to believe somebody and i think rodney mcleod is wrong yes, yes right and so you were probably supposed to have rodney mcleod working more to the middle of the field than he yeah, did i'm not I positive did. on that could very well renege that by wednesday we're gonna see it's what I, it's the best look at it i've got so if you're an eagles beat reporter and blg i know you're listening ask that question we want to know yeah yeah where's your rodney have been what was the call and you know your your pattern matching isn't going to be the same with four over three just three over two yeah yeah but yeah one side successfully executes a smash call and the other side does not. Right. right and right. so you have McLeod and Mills who are like both on this corner route. And so there's nobody helping Nate Gary over the top. That is bad. That was a, potentially a mistake by Rodney McLeod. With that acknowledged, Nate Gary fails to collision the receiver. He fails to collision Claypool. If he's just <laughs> supposed to sink underneath him and have help over the top, he's got to right. hit him and then sink underneath him. He fails to collision him. So Claypool is now, who runs a 4-4 four, four at 6-4 through 38. Correct. Is free release <laughs> straight to the, the goalpost. Straight to the back middle of the end zone. There's no middle of the field safety because McLeod's not there. If you collision Claypool, McLeod is a second to get on his horse. But yeah. you don't. 
all right, if you're not going to collision him, you got to be able to turn and run with him. If you're not going to stop his momentum, then you have to be running with him. And (laughs) Gary eats turf. And so you've got, it's a failure by Jim Schwartz to not see that and go, dear God, get me out of this coverage. They've got Claypool's the number three. It's clear he's been amazing all game. He's definitely going to him. I can't do this. It's a failure on potentially McLeod, I think. And it's a failure on Gary, who even for the, the situation in which he never should have been put, even if you think Gary is a good player, you don't want him covering the 6-4-2-38-4-4 guy with three touchdowns on the day. Yeah. Even if you think he's good, that's still a, a, a failure, even in the responsibility that he was given. Which just, it screamed. Fourth and two Falcons, first game of 2019, Rasul oh. Douglas cover zero wide receiver screen to julio jones which right, just right. the entire offensive coaching staff and the veteran quarterback are like there's no freaking way they're yeah. really doing this right now yes yes yes, yes. yeah and then, then he was just sitting it and get absolutely toasted uh and so like i said if you know i, I wasn't feeling like it was going to be a win you know really obviously at 29 31 i was kind of like oh sick like this might be a win you, you um, weren't you weren't adam feeling it yeah, no, but but when you're at that third and eight, and you can see Nate Gary over Claypool at the before the snap, you're just like, there's there's no way yeah, they're really gonna yeah. get. This is how they're gonna get beat, uh, and it just buries what was a you know season best performance from Carson Wentz. Definitely a good Carson Wentz performance. A breakout and, performance from Fulgham, right? Like, breakout performance Fulgham, and the one the, the the one thing we didn't talk about. Oh, same page. We've done this yes. so much. Episode two hundred, Mike. Two hundred. <laughs> the really good performance in the offensive line. Right. The Steelers. We're not pulling punches. They, it was not like they like decided, oh, we can get a rush with four. They were still sending five. They were yeah. still sending six. Yeah, Bud Dupree got Jalen Jordan Mailata there at the end of the game, for sure. Mm. TJ Watt did one on Jack Driscoll. Pretty bad. There's no doubt. But, man. Pass pro was great. Mailata, Herbig, Pryor, and Driscoll. No, not one of them was a marked liability. I didn't notice a bad prior play once, and that was yep. not the case against the Niners. And they that's were. what we talked about where it was yeah. going to unravel the offense. And they did it to the Giants in week one. We talked about it in the preview show. That was the biggest concern. And yeah, like the, the running game for the Eagles wasn't very efficient. I, I get that. I, I expected mm-hmm. it to be that way. The pass pro was well above expectation. You can't. You couldn't right. have told me before the game that Bud Dupree wasn't going to run over Jordan Mailata. <laughs> what right, a, what yeah. a guy. I, I will trade them not being as good in run blocking as I thought they were going to be through two weeks. Oh, yeah. For them 100%. being much better in pass protection through two weeks than I thought they were going to be. <laughs> yes. Um, Right, I'm very excited to see my Lada again. Uh, I really, I think the Eagles. Uh, I didn't get a chance to talk about this on on our San Francisco recap. I was impressed with the job Jack Driscoll did against Eric Armstead. All Same. things considered, Driscoll's yeah. out there playing tackle at a guard size, and he's not even like that's one of the biggest edge rushers in the league. And he hung yeah. against him. Driscoll got beat inside by Watt pretty badly on one that Carson was able to escape. Other than that, he really looked solid at tackle. I think uh, is he a starter? Probably not. Does he look like a good swing guy? Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. He got benched, obviously, after that week one game. Uh, you know, he kind of wasn't the, the top tackle in the rotation. Now he's back because of more injury. He looks solid. Uh, so impressed with what I've seen from Driscoll. It's, it's tough to tell about guards with all the movement that goes on, but they looked good. So huge day for the offensive line. Wentz is still not throwing the ball as well when he's under pressure and managing pressure well, but it's definitely better than it was against, like, the Rams and the Bengals, where yep. just, like, or the, the the Washington as well in the second half, where it's, like, any time he's in the pocket for more than two seconds, it's total panic, a bad play's about to happen. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, his interception numbers have stayed high, but the, the terribleness of the interceptions right. have absolutely gone down. Like, the yeah. last three interceptions, the 49ers one with the linebacker, the Ertz one, and then this Hightower one. Like... Right. Not yeah. great pocket management against the Niners. 
right? He he kind of screwed around a little bit there, got hit on it. It was the right read. He was just like, you know, he was getting hit on the throw. Ball got popped into the air, was deflected. And mm-hmm. then Earth wasn't his fault. Hightower wasn't his fault. So his interception numbers are still high, and that's going to continue to get run. But the dumbness of the interceptions, right, like the negative quality of the interceptions is absolutely not there anymore, which is positive to see. Kudos to Stout, man. This is yeah. this offensive line should be a lot worse than it is. What a monster. That's the, one, that's the one spot where they're really, really developing, guys. So Stout has done a great job. When we come back here on the Kist and Solek show, we're going to hit up the rest of our points. So we're going to do it under the umbrella of three words from the gentle listeners. That's coming up next here on the Kist and Solak show. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. We are back here on the Kist and Solak Show, episode 200, brought to you by the Five Pocket SB Nation, Bleeding Green Nation. Michael Kist here with Benjamin Solak. Uh, a more cheerier reaction show than you would expect from a loss, but I think we've explained kind of our expectations coming into this and whatnot. So let's see what, what the gentle listeners, if they have the same vibe. What are the vibes from three words uh, that we ask for every week at BGN underscore radio? One that I found really funny right out the gate. Just I just got to throw it out there. We're going to get the Nate Gary ones out there. Dan at Fly. Dan Fly says Nate from State Farm, which is where Nate might be working uh, after this year, because if the Eagles don't bring him back, then I don't know who else. I mean, the guy's going to find a job in the NFL and special teams, but that's pretty much all he is. Uh, Jason Cur- uh, Curran, Curran, uh, Jay Curran, 827, Fulcrum of Offense. Yeah, so baby. that's what we're doing. That's, that's the joke we people. missed. Travis Fulcrum. <laughs> don't pay Ertz from Parson Gars at Gars Parson. Yeah, man. Like every week that we continue to move through this season, the mm-hmm. likelihood, or at least uh, my feelings about paying Ertz some extra cash, start. it's it's really working against them. Like he's I said, 15 the, yards in the past two games? Yeah, what is going on? he's having the anti-contract year. Using the contract yeah. year, player plays way better than he should, and you pay him too much money. Ertz has been great for seasons, and now it's contract year, and he's just laying a goose egg, which, like, as a guy who loves Ertz, hate to see it. As a guy who Zach Ertz blocked on Twitter, I still hate to see it. But, like, from a team-building perspective, you know, Goddard is the guy that you're going to want to give the long-term deal to. At least that's that's the way it looks to me. I like Slate, Slate A off from Saw Rule 21. Uh, this is definitely Darius Slay's worst game uh, as, as an Eagle. Getting picked. I mean, some of the, the, the pass right. interference calls were, were ticky-tack, but, like, Claypool could have got that second foot down. I thought he beat him on that. And yeah, like, but I mean, like, that, that route was very nicely squeezed to the sideline sometimes. It was. Yeah, exactly. Like, that was a perfect ball and a really, really good effort. And it was incomplete because 
his hand landed on the white, and if he hadn't squeezed that route to the sideline, his hand's landing on the green, and it's much more likely to be completed. It's a high bar that Slay yeah. established. I felt like exactly, this was yeah. a significant step down from that. Yeah, this was Slay's worst game, but also Slay's first four games, five, four, four games were absolutely nuts. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I'm fine. I, I'm not worried about Slay. Yeah, 153 yards allowed in four combined games coming right. into this one. Might which be good. Is, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Bushido Brown at Rebel Gabe sent three. One says Howie can't draft in all caps. The other says Howie can't draft in all caps with three exclamation points. And then the last one says Howie can't draft in all caps with five exclamation points. So he has a message he'd like to get out to the people. Uh, <laughs> he's questioning the Eagles drafting. And of course... That remains a warranted concern, but that they ID'd Travis Fulgham on those waiver wires, baby. Come on now. I see so many fire Jim Schwartz uh, butts for defense, butts for coaches. Claypool, Gary, Jim LOL, defund Jim Schwartz. Seamus says Fulgham wide receiver one. Okay. Seamus is okay. happy. Yay. I'm happy when Seamus <laughs> is happy. Seamus found his new bay. He's definitely going to buy his uh, jersey. Oh, we, we, we've got our first all three emoji three words from Christy at Lady Shucks. It's a snake emoji, a poop emoji, and a football emoji. Okay. Pretty straightforward there. I um, like that. No complimentary football from at bad film analysis, which, right, like the Eagles are bad on offense against the Niners, bad, are great on defense, able to squeak out a win with turnovers. Then the very next week, they're great on offense against the Steelers, which is an objectively better defense than the Niners, and are horrible on defense. Uh, and they're not able to squeak out the win, and that's like the uh, the the you know curse that the Eagles cast upon themselves. You know the deal that they struck when they won the Super Bowl is that the offense and the defense will both not play well in one game. <laughs> right. Yeah, it can't be done. Like they can't have both units be good. Uh, so this was a, a really rough defensive performance. Obviously, I need a ruling on at Jersey Bird three saying never draft wide receiver again. It's W R, and in parentheses he says W R has no vowel, so I don't think it counts. It's an abbreviation. It's so. Did you do you put a space before it and after it? And it's operating no. as a word in this structure. Yeah, um, I agree. And I need another ruling. David S. Cohen at DSC two fifty. Where'd Ertz go? Question mark. And I'm adding all these extra words because it seems that the more words in the tweet, the more likely you won't read it on the air because it's against the rules. I have no idea what Dave is alluding to here. There's no way around the system. There's no way to guarantee your tweet will be read by putting more than three words in there. I refute all of these scurrilous accusations. Uh, and yeah, Ertz hasn't been playing well. Good point. Yeah. <laughs> so I, that's, I think that's going to do it for three words. Wait, uh, I one last... more. Oh, oh, hit it, Ben. Mark Halakwa at Halakwa underscore Mark, who's a longtime listener and also yells at me about Carson Wentz in my mentions a lot. Uh, Dallas actually worse. The Eagles are 1-3-1. and And technically, if the Cowboys lose to the Giants, will remain... The leaders of the division, Mike, do you know what the score is? Giants-Cowboys right now? I The last I saw, it was, oh, I just looked over. It's 17-3, but Dallas is on the goal yeah, line. Yeah, I was going to say, it's very conveniently 17-3. <laughs> Dallas has second and goal from the one. But, <laughs> yes, the the NFC East could be 1-3-1, 1-4-1, 1-4-1, and 1-4-1 at the end of the day. So, yes, <laughs> yeah. Dallas still worse. Dallas actually worse. There's really a chance, yes. I'm going to leave three words with uh, a word from Josh Semro at Le Boat. Uh, he says, look, Gary was bad on that play and so many more this season, but the whole defense was bad today. And Gary shouldn't find himself matched up against a wide receiver with three TDs on the day to begin with. Anyway, gerrymandering or Jerry meandering. Andy, thank you, uh, Andy, at and Andy Ando FN hey, check. you want to speak English? I, pfft, is that English? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> 
foreplay. Three words, Josh. Three words. They definitely won't read this. And we won't. Andy's right, Josh. And we never will. We will not. Yeah. We have standards. Ben, any last thoughts or you want to say goodbye the to the Niners gentle, are losing gentle. by 17 to the Dolphins? Thank you, as always, for listening to the Kist and Solak <laughs> show here on BGN Radio. We do appreciate you swinging by. Uh, the Eagles with a loss 29-38 to against the Steelers. Baltimore Ravens, yet another staunch AFC North opponent uh, coming down the mountain for the Sunday game. Better performance from the offense, worse performance from the defense. The truth of the matter lies in the film, and we will have it broken down for you at bleedinggreennation.com and on at BGN underscore radio. So if you enjoy the show and you enjoy our pods and you want all of our coverage, please continue to hit that follow button, subscribe, rate, review on whatever app you listen to your podcast. He's been Michael Kist on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. That's KISD. I've been Benjamin Solak on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. Next show is the uh, big Bleeding Green main show. Yeah, coming up, Jimmy, BLG. May he forever rain. will be nice. Yeah. I mean, there's going to be some other shows in there as well. Okay. Well, thanks yeah. for listening. Yeah. Good stuff. Be busy. Be a busy week. We all we got. We all we need. Fly, Eagles, fly. Full gon' give it to you. He gon' give it nope. to you. Nope, nope, no, 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 no. Arr. That's not cool enough. <laughs> if I'm saying that. P-G-N-E. <laughs>